This is Sermonsmith, a bi-weekly conversation about the craft of sermon preparation, and my name is John Chandler. My guest today is Artie McClenaghan. Artie is a pastor for training and a teaching pastor at Door Creek Church, which is an evangelical free church in Madison, Wisconsin, college town where the University of Wisconsin is. Really, gosh, I was just about to say really enjoyed this one, but I say that every time, but it's true. It's true. I enjoy this. Uh, One of the things that was just evident, and you'll pick up on this, is Artie is just passionate about honing the craft the preparation part, <clears throat> excuse me, but also the delivery part. Very evident as I talked to him, and I really enjoyed it, really appreciated it. A few notes before we get on. I was just this past week a guest on the After Nine Ministry podcast, afternineministry.com. It's a podcast with Zach Workin and Chad Higgins. Zach, I hope pronou- I pronounced your last name right. I guess I've only seen it in print, but it's specifically about student ministry, uh, and they invited me to be a guest just to talk about some of the things we talk about on Sermon Smith. I uh, want to tell you about it because if you were in youth ministry or know someone who is, I think they're doing great work. I, I think they bring uh, just some good, thoughtful insight into the student ministry conversation overall, just from the few that I listened to, and I enjoyed connecting with them. Or if you just want to you know, talk a little bit more or think a little bit more about sermon prep, certainly extended some of the conversations we've been having here in my interview there. So that's afternineministry.com, or of course, you could find it on iTunes or at Google Play, actually, probably, because they now have podcasts as well. Our partner today could be you. If you really are appreciating and finding value in the podcast, as I often hear from many of you, uh, I would encourage you to go to patreon.com slash sermonsmith, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com, where you could pledge anywhere from whatever you'd like, anywhere from a dollar to uh, $500 per episode uh, or anywhere in between to support what's going on here. That'd be helpful just for offsetting some of my time because uh, I take away from some of my freelance work for this as well as just some of our server costs and operating costs for Sermon Smith. That is all said. Let's move on to R.D. McClendon. All right, here we go. All right. I am here with Artie McClinigan, and I'm glad I asked. It's not McClinigan, it's McClinigan. <laughs> You're right. I'm, I'm assuming that's a good Irish name. It's Scottish. It's Scottish. Scottish, yeah. So my, yeah, my dad's family's from Scotland. My mom's last name is Cox, and she's from Ireland. And so wow. I've got it on both sides. But McClinigan is from, yeah, the Highlands of Scotland. All right. Well, I'm glad I got that clarified because yes. that might have been that might have been troubling to our yeah. Irish listeners they and Scottish listeners. It could have been very unsettling for them. Yes. <laughs> so you are in Madison, Wisconsin. Tell us about tell us about the church you're at. Your role there. Yeah. Yeah, I've been up here in Madison for four years now. Actually, next next month in May, four years, and um, I'm at Door Creek Church. It's an evangelical free church here in Madison, and we're a, a, multi-site, uh, a multi-site church here in Madison. And um, we've got a campus just outside of downtown, probably five, six miles, and then one that's about further north from us in a bit more of a rural area. And uh, we are been around since Door Creek Church has been around since we just celebrated our 50th anniversary. So we've been a couple locations, mm-hmm. uh, but we have a building that we're in now that we've been in since I think 2001 or maybe sometime around then 2000. Anyway, I'm 
failing this. I'm sorry, everyone. All right. You've only been there five, four years. so I have. That's true. So it goes well beyond uh, me. And uh, so I serve right now as a teaching pastor and also a pastor for training and multiplication, which um, really the teaching part, I think, is probably more um, understood. And then training and multiplication is really... Uh, kind of discipleship, but more spiritual formation and trying to help our people think through um, theology and the Bible and how it applies to their life, whether that's through our groups or through um, just forums that we do through online content. And so my role is to kind of help our leaders, help people just apply the Bible in their life beyond the weekend. And ways we can do this as a church is to resource our people so they don't just have to go buy a book. Um, which is good to go buy a book, but also we feel called to equip our people in our context. And uh, so I get to help lead into that and speak into that. And so I've been doing that for the past year. And uh, before that, I was student ministry pastor uh-huh. and doing that. And I I like that, but don't love it. I'll just be honest. Um, it's just not in my the wheelhouse for RD. And uh, I love students and I... Just am not the guy who wants to do that forever. And Fair enough. So I hired some guys who are much better at it than me. And I said, these are the guys who are going to do really great with it. I think there could be this role for me here at the church and kind of a, a gap I saw in training and equipping. And so that's kind of we transitioned to that a little bit ago. And throughout that, I've been serving as kind of a teaching pastor and, and have been growing um, in terms of how much I teach every year. And, um, yeah, so that's a big overview of Door Creek and, and what I do kind of sort of. And when you say it's multi-site, does that mean there's, is it a, is the other campus a video venue or is there it live is. teaching at all? There's okay. both. There's both. Yeah. There's live teaching about, uh, once a month, uh, give or take, and then video teaching the other, uh, three times of the month. And so how does that, I assume then if you're a teaching pastor, there must be like a team or a rotation. How does yes. all that come together? Yeah, we have a Saturday night service <clears throat> at our live main campus, our main campus, called, which is called Sprecher, because that's the road that the campus is on. And so we record that message Saturday night, and then we play it. So we don't have live stream really yet. <clears throat> uh, so we play the message Sunday morning up at our north campus, and then... We so it's played there. It's recorded Saturday night, um, and so I serve. I teach probably about eighteen to twenty times a year, and then our lead pastor Mark, my fair, he teaches the bulk of the rest of the time, and so it's mostly probably ninety plus percent is he and I, and then we have a few other people that come in every once in a while and teach as well. Yeah. And how, so uh, this is kind of fresh on my mind because not too long ago, I interviewed a friend of mine who, uh, David Rice, who is in a really rural setting, but he has a more, you know, educated urban mindset. That's not necessarily fair to put those two together, but you know what I'm saying? Yes. And, you know, so he talked about how, what a challenge it's been. So you talk about how you guys have like a downtown campus in a college town. And then yes. one you described as a little more rural. Yes. Do you have to try to accommodate that, knowing you're preaching to two different crowds? Yes. Yeah, that's a great question. I'd say, I'd say in fairness, our, our church is probably probably more suburban than urban, even in Madison. Um, yeah. Probably a traditionally, but it's not rural <clears throat> where we are. And so there is a distinction. And I would say 
John, that's probably been one of our biggest challenges. We just hired a new campus pastor, uh, Ross Kellner, who's just an awesome guy. And some of our conversations have been, how are we just exporting a message that is really connecting, I think, with our, our mostly suburban, somewhat urban audience to a rural audience? That it, it kind of connects because some of those people do actually live still in some of the suburbs, but it's still closer to the North Campus. But a lot of people, it's just a small town called DeForest. And uh, I, I think we are probably actually right now wrestling with, do we go to more life teaching? Um, what's the best way to just contextualize a message for the people in DeForest? And I, I mean, I'm personally... I'm much more passionate about life teaching, local leadership, and, you know, that's my heart, and uh, that's kind of direction that we um, are hoping to move more and more to, because I think the challenges that we face have just been like, even though we're only probably 20 minutes away, they're two different worlds. Yeah. And so a message that I teach at our Sprecher campus is going to connect-ish, you know what I mean? But I don't know the people up there. I mean, we have a big church, so I don't know everyone here. But it's different when you're in the room yeah. than when you are never, ever there in the flesh. And uh, so that, that to me is just one of the downsides of video teaching. And even we do it, but I'll just confess up front, I'm not a big fan of it. Huh. So I'll just own that. And I just – especially when – I mean, like when I was in Dallas, you know, that's a different context. You know, I mean, you could throw up video teaching most places all around the DFW Metroplex, and it's people are connecting around the same things. When you get to smaller towns, I just feel like each town is so localized and so different that it makes the video teaching feel, I don't know, it just feels weird to me. So that's kind of my personal like rub that I work through in terms of you know, this has been a good thing for us, but I struggle with it personally. This might be the first sermon Smith to become therapy. <laughs> I think that uh, I'm actually on a couch. I didn't know if that was appropriate. <laughs> that's just how I do all my meetings. And so anyway, that's just as a teacher, I actually read and, and talk or listen a lot about guys that do both. And I'm always trying to be like, oh, that's a great point, actually. Or, oh, no, that's a, that's such a great one, too. So I'm right now in the midst of thinking through what do I think about it, and um, now I've unloaded to all of your <laughs> listeners my consciousness about it. So you're welcome, everyone. Probably not new conversations for anyone. I know. About these so, things, so I know. So I, just in terms of me, maybe being in the middle of both, we do it, but I am thinking through: is this the best way to do it? And I'm I'm in a place where we're doing that as a team together. Yeah. And I assume you just have to, even in the midst of doing prep, you just have to do your best to kind of imagine what the stories are of the people who are up there or think about, you know, yes. ways to connect illustrations, metaphors, whatever, in a way that will work in both spots. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you do. You, yeah, you really do. So I'm always thinking of individual people, um, different stories. I mean, use a lot of my, you know, I, I love uh, counseling, meeting with people. I really, I know a lot of pastors just just not as much their thing maybe but i love it and partly just for what it is itself and counseling and shepherding encouraging and loving people but also just as thinking through how does a message apply to the situation 
and then trying to contextualize that for them and knowing more people are working, you know, through that as well. But our, I mean, our, our main campus is a, it's a pretty regional church as well, John. There are not many churches in Madison period. <laughs> They're just, there are not a ton. We have a very small, um, percentage of people that go to a, you know, what you might call a gospel teaching evangelicalish in any context church, probably about 5% of the people here do. It's a very kind of traditional, you know, college town, very progressive city in that way. And so we, we draw people from all over, you know, both right down the street. We have a lot of people that come from 15, 20, 30 minutes away and uh, so that those are very different contexts, even in just in terms of being in the room live. We have people that teach at University of Wisconsin-Madison. We have people that, you know, have their own business. We have people that live on a farm and they hmm. can be row behind row behind row. Yeah. And that is a challenge. Um, I won't lie to you. It's, it's a, I, I love it because it's just beautiful. It feels right. It feels diverse. Sure. Not as much maybe ethnically, but just in terms of socioeconomically and just what people do. And so it's a, it's a wonderful challenge. So you talked about then this, there's a rotation, uh, yep. or, you know, primarily the two of you, but how does that, does, how does that work out? Does that, do you do series together or will he yeah. do a series and then maybe you'll take one? How's all yeah. that mapped out? Yeah. Um, how does that work? We work together, Mark and I. He's just been a great shepherd leader for me since I've been here. And he and I will kind of get away and map out a series, you know, months in advance. So we were already talking about the fall. We maybe want to do the life of Abraham. And so we're talking about that now. And then he, Mark will pretty much map out the weeks and then just kind of assign me dates. And so I'll, he'll probably do two or three in a row and then I'll do one or two. And then that's pretty much how uh, how it works. I'm, I'm Mark takes June as a study break, and so I usually teach all of June. And so this June I'm teaching through Colossians, and uh, so I'm kind of working that series and, and helping make sure that one comes together. But usually it's I teach once or twice a month, and we kind of go usually kind of back to back if we can. Um, but it doesn't always work out that way. Because yeah. twenty teaching twenty times a year is not exactly half, so it's not quite that. And what uh, I mean, what would you say the role of preaching is in the life of? Yeah. I assume it's a pretty, you know, Bible centered in an EV free church. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is Bible centered. I would say the role of preaching. I always love when you ask this because I always write down what what the different men and women say because I'm always learning just what the role of preaching is in different churches but i mean i would say it's it's central to who we are at door creek it is um it's not everything but i i think that we lift the bible high we teach through books of the bible about a half two thirds of the time um but no matter what we're teaching through we really place a high value on getting into the text, getting into the word, having people get into the word, get into the Bible and actually having them look at it and just be shaped by the text and have just a congregation that's just formed by the scriptures and molded by the scriptures and submitting to the scriptures so that people here know them 
or at least feel like in a message they encounter them and not just a verse. And then 30 minutes of a pastor teaching on what he or she wants, but on letting the scripture dictate where we're going. And so that people are really over the course of hopefully a year, because I've begun to think about it much more than just a week, but over the course of a year, even longer, that people are just being saturated by by the words of of the Bible. And so we just, um, we probably teach 35 to 43, 44 minutes. Um, so probably longer than maybe most. I, I don't know. It depends on some churches I know go long and some are, are shorter. But, um, you know, we have about a 70 minute service. And so teaching is about 40 minutes of that. And um, then we have other elements as well. But yeah, wow. high value on teaching and preaching and just opening up God's word and proclaiming it humbly, winsomely, and and passionately. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about your specific process then, because I mean, yeah. you, know, you know, you've got X number coming up, and you know, certain months. So I do. You know, maybe pick a specific one, but kind of talk through. Sure. Uh, you know, alongside your other responsibilities, what's it sure. look like for you to map out sermons? Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh... I, I'm still learning my process, which is why I love the pod, just to keep plugging your podcast, John. So you're welcome. Um, and because uh, I just love, I'm a learner. It's my favorite um, interview ever. I just, yeah, you're, you're welcome. I'll, I'll send you my PayPal link again. Just yeah. drop that in. And uh, I, I just love learning. And so I love learning, especially preaching and teaching. I feel like that's just my kind of not the only gift that I have, but maybe the gift that I just, I love. And so I want to learn to get better at it because I'm just still starting out learning, you know, f- five years in of you know teaching somewhat regularly. And so my process has grown and I sometimes will just hear somebody and be like, that's what I'm doing this week. Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. like that, that is actually not me. And so I've slowly got into learning about what, what do you need to do for you? And so now what what I do is it's a little different since I don't have to teach every week. Um, I think there's a luxury there where I get time. And so what I'll do is I'm teaching this weekend, actually. And so what I will do is usually – I was on vacation last week, but usually the week before I'm teaching, probably on – Wednesday or Thursday, I'll just spend some time. I already know my text or my topic, kind of a big picture idea just from looking at or thinking through it. Not much, but I'll spend time the week before the week of teaching and just read the text or look at the topic if it's a more topical message and just spend maybe an afternoon doing that. No books, no nothing around, just a moleskin and just start writing thoughts and just writing phrases or just anything just to have it in before the week of. So there's just, it's just there. So that may be Wednesday or Thursday. And then I don't do anything with it until the next Monday. And so then today, like this afternoon, recording this on a Monday, uh, this afternoon, uh, I will spend time with the commentaries or just some resources that I've kind of accumulated on the topic. Um, and so this weekend I'm, we're doing a series called simplify, and so this weekend I'm teaching on relationships and just getting greater health and wholeness and joy in your relationships. And so since it's topical, I'm going to go try and find some some texts, which I prefer just me personally having a yeah. text yeah. first. I just 
that to me is just much better. Um, but we we do some topical series, and so I have some resources and just things that I accumulate. I know a lot of the people you talk to have Evernote, and I use that, and just have things tagged under different um, topics. And so I'll just look at that Monday, and then try and write some. And by writing, I mean just in a moleskin. I'll do just kind of not not word for word, but just big ideas, phrases, sentences, outline in multiple color pens and just, I have a big moleskin um, that's not ruled. So I can just kind of draw-ish, you know, not yeah. really, uh, but just connect lines and underline different colors and just write out things. And I'll do two, three, four, five pages and then, you know, rip those out and then just look at them and then have those laid out in front of me and then keep writing so I can mm -hmm. have those in front of me. This is all on Monday still. Yeah, this will yeah, be on Monday, yeah. Monday afternoon. Yeah, and it's usually Monday morning too. Actually, Mondays preaching week. Monday is kind of a day I just do that, and then um, so yeah. that's usually hopefully brewing and stewing and steeping all those wonderful things. And the Tuesday is like meeting day, staff meeting day, meetings. Just thinking through other things for my my other role of training equipping. I don't usually look at. The teaching much then Wednesday, usually hopefully afternoon, I crank out a couple hours in the afternoon. I usually have like three to five where I just kind of look at my notes from Monday. And then Thursday will be an all day final kind of full prep day. And so Wednesday kind of look back, looks back to Monday and then looks forward to Thursday and kind of sets up uh, Thursday's all day um, kind of just writing and then thinking through that. So Thursday will be like eight to like five. <clears throat> and my goal is to have it mostly done by Thursday night. And then I usually will come out of the church in one of the rooms Friday morning and we're actually recorded. Like I'll, I'll, I do it out loud. I talk it out loud and I record it and then listen to it and take notes on the message hmm. so I can hear it. Because a lot of times when just, I'm writing, it's just makes in a room by yourself. Yeah, 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 just story of my life, John, in a room by myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I just, I get, we have a little student uh, space, which is kind of like a small venue. And so it's not quite as big as our main venue, which feels really alone and really sad. But so downstairs, right beneath that, we have a student venue, which is really cool. And so I'll just get my music stand. And put my notes on there. I've kind of tried try and get it down to one page front and back. I don't manuscript. Um, and so I just do one page front and back, big ideas, big points, things I want to remember. And then I just practice it once or tw probably twice out loud, just kind of how I would really do it. You know, I do the intro. Hey, welcome to Door Creek. My name's RD. And I'm, I'll just do it full blast. I record it. Then I get to see my length because I don't like to be over 40. And I know that if I record it and it's over 40, it's going to be longer on the weekend because I just get in the zone and just, you know, things just get wheels off on the weekend and uh, it can be longer. So I really am trying to get better discipline and just shorter and quicker and uh, just having more confidence on the weekend. And doing it out loud for me helps me have greater confidence. So the first time I'm doing it out loud is not Saturday night. Yeah. That makes sense. Which I think helps our people and feels honoring to them. How, I mean, what percentage of a typical sermon changes after you do that and listen to it? Oh, sometimes a good amount. 
<laughs> so, right, you right. know, sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm writing and I'm having these great ideas and I'm like, oh, this is a sentence that is just going to change people's lives. You know, this is it. It's right. It rhymes. It's beautiful. And then I just say it and I listen to it and I'm like, oh, no, that is terrible. And it just doesn't flow. It doesn't connect. And at least for me, and maybe this is true for you, John, the, the transitions are the hardest part for me. I mean, I can have two or three, I feel like pretty strong points. And I could just have an awkward transition just saying, now here is point two. Right, right, <laughs> and right. it would be a pretty good message. But the transitions for me are really one of the big reasons I do it out loud. How does it sound? How do my points connect together? Am I telling a story? Um, is this flowing together? Is this memorable? Or am I just saying words for 30, 40 minutes? And so I will have probably two thirds of it stays the same. And then I will rewrite or just rethink maybe the last third. And then the interesting thing for us is between Saturday night and Sunday, I can still change things. Even though it's recorded Saturday night video, um, the audio, I get to choose any of our services for that. And I usually probably change five to 10% between Saturday night and Sunday morning. And usually it's always cutting <laughs> again, just cutting again. Man, I, I, before, uh, you know, before we moved to Austin, well, I mean, two churches ago for me, I was on a teaching team at a large church that had Saturday night and Sunday morning. I'm totally going off on a tangent here, but that's okay. And that Saturday night after, after you're done with those Saturday night sermons, that is just yep. the weirdest no man's land. It is. <laughs> yeah. You're so right. It is so weird. Yeah. That's a great phrase for it. You're in no man's land. It's a, uh... Because you, yeah, it's weird. It's one service. And so it's kind of, a, it feels like a little bit of a one-off. It's a unique crowd because it's the end of the day. And so to be honest, it's usually a bit a bit lower energy than Sunday mornings. And so people, it's just, you know, it's just the end of the day. People are tired. It's a pretty faithful, committed group of people. So I love preaching it, but it's it's unique from Sunday morning. And then you're done and you have to wait a whole night and, um, you know, sometimes this is just how maybe weird, crazy I am. Like we'll post the video late Saturday night, uh, and I'll watch it early Sunday morning and just take notes. And sometimes it's encouraging because I'm like, actually that was better than I thought. Right. And sometimes I'm like, just staring down at my computer, unable to listen to parts of it. Like you should have cut that and <laughs> Sunday, Sunday morning, you will do what you didn't have the courage to do, Right? <laughs> you know, because you can see it and hear it. And so sometimes I do that as well. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a, that's kind of a gift for, to the people on Sunday morning. It is. <laughs> it's it is. To you, but yeah. Yeah. Hopefully our Sunday morning is not continually growing because they're like, oh, this is, this is the A sermon. And it's like, <laughs> sometimes the Saturday night, it just hits it right. And it's like, that was the best one. But usually it's one of the Sunday, we have two Sunday morning services. Usually it's one of those that is just the strongest, I, I feel like for me. Well, let, let me backtrack into this week then. So t talk more about what's, what happens that's different between all that time you give it on Monday and all that time you give it on Thursday? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I, I would say what I <clears> – <throat> this is – my wife would tell you this is probably a problem. But I am always thinking about the message. Like sermon weeks 
it doesn't matter where I am. I'm thinking of ideas. I'm writing them in my phone, just on my notes. I'm thinking of ideas. If I'm watching a TV show, I'm like, this could probably work. It's just always in my mind. And so from Monday to Thursday, Monday helps for me set the frame. So I try and get just some foundation done. I don't always preach three points, but I try and get two or three movements. Um, I think it maybe was Dave Lomas who talked about movements. And I resonated with that a lot in terms of just not having it be so hardcore one, two, three. And I was like movements that was helpful for me. And so I sometimes try and have those somewhat established Monday, Monday afternoon, and then think about the movements Tuesday, Wednesday, even if I don't have time to write something down and just pray about it. I mean, I'm praying throughout the week and I'm still trying to read the text Tuesday, Wednesday, and, and just pray about it. Um, and Tuesday, I left this out because it's only probably in the past few months we've started doing this. Tuesday from like 12 to 1, we'll have a meeting, Mark and I, with three or four other people where we'll just kind of brainstorm ideas for the message. Hmm. And so that's been – before that, I would just email people my big idea and just say, give me all your feedback. What things should I say? What things should I not say? You know, if your non-Christian friend was there, what would you want me to say? What would you not want me to say? And just I'd have about six people I would just email and just say, give me all your feedback on this passage. Here's what I have. Let me have it. And so we tried – that was – I still do that actually because I just love that pre-sermon feedback is better than – post-sermon feedback sometimes. And so then Tuesday morning, we started doing that just with a live audience, I guess, of different people on staff that come in. And so whoever teaching, we'll just present what they have so far, and then we'll just talk for an hour. And uh, that's been really helpful as well, because other people, they just have such great ideas. You just can't get everywhere on your own. You know, you just other people have insights, stories, examples. And so I'm always encouraged and just impressed by where people's minds are like, just like, that is brilliant. I am going to steal that and maybe copyright you. Maybe not. We'll see. (laughs) Maybe not even mention you. Yeah. Yeah. I may just say this was my idea. (laughs) Create a healthy culture on our team. (laughs) So, yeah. So that helps on Tuesday. And so I, it's just kind of thinking through it Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, I usually feel really excited because it's been just in my mind and I can just kind of write. And it's actually nice not having written anything Tuesday, Wednesday, because I come to it fresh with a fresh piece of paper Thursday. And if I write it down again on Thursday and it feels still good, then I'm usually like, this is, this is right. And if I come to it again and write it down or say it out loud Thursday and it feels like, actually, that doesn't connect like I thought it did, then that's also really helpful. Um, and I also, I just talk with my wife about it cause she is just a, give me the details. She is not about the 30,000 foot big picture. She's yeah. always like, I need an example. I need something tangible that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> and so she comes in and she's just really wise and smart and also just loves good preaching. And she helps my teaching so much because I'm probably more, here's the big idea theologically and be wowed by this. And my wife is always like, I, what that not, not because she's not smart because she is, but because it's like, I, I kind of know what you're saying and I'm, you know, intelligent, but 
That is not going to connect with anyone in your own mind. That's a brilliant message, RD. And you need to help people understand, you know, what you are talking about. What's a story? What's an example? And uh, that just always helps me connect a, you know, we're talking about sanctification or we're talking about what does it look like to go from being an Adam to being placed in Christ beyond just saying that? How do you explain that? How do you help people feel that, connect with it? Um, and she's just great at helping me do that, which is a blessing. Yeah, especially, I mean, I'm similar to you, and I think a lot of people I've interviewed are. So for those of us who like to think in big concepts, those conversation partners to help make those concepts tactile or manageable is really important. Yeah. I'm horrible yeah. at it. It's, <laughs> it's, so, it's so important, especially with a, you know, it was interesting coming from Dallas Seminary and just that context. And I went to a church in Dallas that had a lot of seminary professors that were at it. And it was just an educated um, congregation. And Door Creek is a church with a lot of people that didn't grow up in church, a lot of people that grew up in a more Catholic background. But the vast majority of our people have really a very little understanding of just the Bible. You know, they really don't. And that is one of the things I love the most about moving from the South to the Midwest. Now, the South you know, I love her so much. Uh, I, I miss her, um, especially in the winter. And there are its own unique challenges to doing gospel ministry in the South. But in the Midwest and in Madison, I'm just always, you know, surprised still by people that are just like, I didn't even know that story, you know? And I'm like, yeah. you didn't know that story. Like, and it's fairly common. And so I'm always trying in my preaching to just be even just simple things like the big number in your in your you know Bible is the chapter number. The small number is the verse number. Here's the Gospel of Luke. Hmm. It was written by Luke the Doctor. It's one of the biographical accounts of the life of Jesus. And and so we just are constantly dripping those things so that people that are new to Christianity or to church feel like, okay, I can get on board here and I can understand this. And we're still, you know, we're not watering it down. We're not just giving you a couple of principles. We're going to get in the text, but in a way that hopefully actually allows people to come with you and understand. Because if you, if at the end of your message, no one understands, and you just talk like you're giving a lecture to seminary professors, then that's not a win. Um, you need to preach to the people God's placed around you and put in front of you. And that's been probably one of my greatest growth areas, and Mark's helped me with that, to just going from Dallas, Texas to Madison, Wisconsin is different. It's a different world. Yeah. And uh, to just ask the Lord and get good counsel to help me preach to people that are far from kind of Christianity. I love it so much, but it's a challenge. Is that, I mean, is that part for you something you have to deliberately incorporate in your prep? Has it become second nature or do you have to stop and think at some yeah. point in your prep, how am I going to make sure I'm not jumping over anybody here? Yeah, I, it has become second nature, um, actually, um, just because my wife, I mean, just everyone on our street, you know, our neighborhood, you know, n no one on our streets a follower of Jesus. And we, we just try to do life with a lot of those people. And so just those conversations weekly actually just really helpful because I'm just thinking, man, what if they were there? What if they were in the audience? And I just naturally think that um, we have people in our family who aren't Christians who are just really 
intellectual and smart and um, just great people. And my wife and I are always thinking, what if we brought them this week? What what would you say? You know, how would it be different? And so I, it's pretty second nature now because I just know that's a strong chunk of our people every week. Or if not, for everyone there, they know someone like that. And I think it was Keller who talked about uh, – maybe someone else. But it's usually Keller, Tim, <laughs> who talked about preaching the preaching – to people who aren't there yet, so they'll come. And yeah. I think he was saying that, you know, early on, people were like, there's no one like that here that you're talking about. <laughs> and he was saying something like, well, I know, but you know people like that. And if they hear that, then they could feel like, oh, I could bring my friend here. because." And then also the Christians also encouraged in their worldview, and they're also strengthened but you're also creating a safe place for people that are far from the Lord or who are skeptical or who were just, you know, they showed up because something tragic's happened in their life. And maybe oftentimes they've had a bad experience with church. And what, what I want to do is just move the ball down the road a little bit, a little bit further and have them maybe think this Jesus is different than who I thought he was. He's better. He's um, more beautiful. And, that's what I think about when I teach, is to help people think about Jesus differently um, than maybe they have before. And yeah. I love that. So do you, I mean, do you have that? I mean, do you have some criteria when you're putting a sermon together? You talked about movements. You talk about that idea. Do you have some criteria that when you're putting a sermon together that you kind of evaluate in the process or you go back and hit every time? Maybe, maybe you've figured those out or maybe they're in the back of your mind and you might not yeah. even have articulated them yet. Yeah, that's probably more accurate. I haven't articulated them. Um, I, I would say that some of the questions that I ask are um, where uh, just just thinking through as I as I kind of come to the end of the message in terms of working through it on Thursday is I do try and think through some type of big idea. I try and be able to not always a sentence because I feel that can be just forced, but at least a couple sentences of just what, what, what is the main point of the message? And can I say that in a sentence or two in some capacity? Um, have I, you know, made Jesus central, whatever the text is in terms of his finished work, his resurrection, uh, his return. Uh, I think through what does it mean to, to live this out by the power of the spirit? And thinking through how is the spirit shaping us in terms of my application, so that it's not just um, you know we we get to Jesus and what He's done and the power He's given us in the Spirit to live these things out, and then how can we do this in a community of people, not just individual? Now you go and do this, because I don't think that's often what the Scripture says. It says together, how can we do this? And that's actually a question that I always have at the bottom: is how are you calling? Thor Creek is a people to live this out. And then personally, how am I living this out in a community of people? Um, because I say this all the time. I'm fairly, fairly trying to grow, be very transparent just from the pulpit or in the music stand. And just always say to people, I'm in process. My wife and I are trying to live this out. Like everything that I'm talking about, that we're, we're trying to do. And so that's a rubric I also look through. It's just how are you living this out or not? And what can you share about that as you teach, either examples or stories or just, yeah, this week in teaching about this, I realized that 
I am nowhere near on this. And so I'm just going to talk about how I've wrestled with it this week. And maybe that's where you are. And so I try and ask a lot of questions as I close versus giving a ton of commands. Because I think questions allow people to think versus just, okay, here are the four things to do. You know, because, I mean, if you, John, if you give people every week two or three things to do, yeah. you've given them 104 plus things to do in a year. You yeah. know? And it's not yeah, that yeah. you shouldn't have application. It shouldn't, you shouldn't just say, uh, I think maybe it was, I think it's Dick Lucas or Marlo Joins. They would always just be like, and let Christ help us apply these things. Let's pray. <laughs> and it would be like, you know, I love that. But it's also like there, and I love those guys, but it's also like there might be like one more step than that. <laughs> beyond just, yeah, yeah. Let's have the spirit apply this to our hearts. Go in peace. Oh, wait. Oh, but on the flip side, if you're going through three or four every week, that to me seems unbalanced. And it feels like people love the nuggets, you know, and I always, I sometimes can get a bit, uh, you know, tongue-in-cheeky in the, in the uh, as I teach and just say, I know some of you are looking for the nugget because I can tell you're bored by this. You know, <laughs> give me give me the takeaway, RD. Give me the three things I can do this week. That's what I'm looking for. And I'll just come out and say that. And then, you know, hopefully with this great flourish, I'll let you, if you listen to me, judge for yourself. But it's kind of like I, the Bible is, is the nugget itself. You know, that, like immersing yourself in who God is, that's where things are going to change for you. And I, I'm going to do hard work to help you think through what this might mean in your marriage or in your job. But the more we get filled with Jesus, the more these things will follow, actually, versus here's the three easy steps. You're actually going to be crushed by that. You don't know it, but you will. And there are tons of burned out Christians who are just, I think, just feeling the weight of application to death, um, not connected to Jesus. Or if it is connected, it's a quick glance to him, a kind of a wink to Jesus. And then these great phrases that rhyme, that are just remember, rememberable, memorable. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people leave, but it's like, that was a, I, remember, I remember that, but I've got like 28 things I have to remember, you know? Yeah. And so I don't remember any of them. So anyway, that's, I'm trying to figure out in my own journey, just what's the relation between the application and just letting the spirit apply it um, and letting Christ rest on people as they leave the, uh, the gathering. I, I've settled in on this language of imagination rather than application. Mm -hmm. And, you know, well, just to give the idea. And so that might mean, and I don't feel like I've figured out how to best do this, but I really like the concept. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I, I figure, you know, if, if there's going to be great. some primary... Uh, calling that I give to our people about this is what it, you know, this is what this text is is calling us toward, then I want to give them some imagination for what it might look like for mm. them to live it out. And, but yeah, I, I even wrestle with how, how specific versus non-specific, it just feels better because hopefully it just opens up. Maybe it's like a little push on the swing to get them going to think about it, you know, I don't know, that's but great. that's, that's what I've been trying to wrestle with because I, I, I the same thing you're talking about here. I, I've never been one who's just loved, here's your four application points, you know, yeah. uh, or, yeah. or two application points. But I still, but I also don't want to just leave people with these really big, huge concepts yeah, that, I totally, that I get really excited about, like you're yes. saying, but they might not. Yes, that so. is, I totally agree with that. It's, it's a balance or 
I like imagination. That's good. Um, well, let's, uh, speaking of, you know, awkward transitions, let's awkward transit. Always. <laughs> um, Always. You talked, you talked on Monday about, um, or you talked about how on Monday, you know, you do a lot of, you just have some resources commentary. Uh, like, what are your, do you mostly rest in commentaries? Do you do a lot of word study stuff? What does your typical study process um, look like? I do, yeah, yeah. I do uh, a lot of um, commentaries, actually. I just, since I'm a reader, so I love reading, and I'm, I have commentaries in my office. It's like just a library. People walk in, and they're just like, really? But that's just kind of my, my library at, at the office here. I'm looking at my books now. So I do a lot of, um, yeah, just commentaries, uh, all, all kinds. I mean, I try and read pretty broadly, so it's not just one vein. Uh, so different theological um, kind of authors from reform to non-reform, charismatic, not charismatic, men and women. Um, I try and get as much as I can outside of just kind of Western, um, but that's just not, I'm, I don't do that as well as I'd like. It's not just as easy to get. Yeah. Um, but I have some that I, I continually go to, so um, you know, I mean, we just, we went through first Corinthians this past, uh, what, what this past, uh, spring. So starting in January. And so I use just a lot of commentaries for that. So I, I mean, just standard ones, the NIV application commentary, I actually like a lot. Yeah. Um, the primary, but just, it's really actually helpful. Um, let's see, use, uh, Richard Hayes. His commentary on First Corinthians was great. On I think it's teaching and preaching series for pastors or leaders, and it just has an application um, in that series actually for teachers and for preachers, as it's a commentary as well. And so that one, that one I love. Um, N.T. Wright's small little books I love. Um, so I mean I pretty broad. I probably try and for each book that we teach through, I try and get five to seven commentaries and I'll just read through those. And, um, that, you know, I may not reference any of them, but you know, they shape you how you think. And if it's, yeah, yeah. hopefully it's, it's from multiple perspectives and it's great to see the authors interacting with each other. And I'm like, actually, I think you're right. And because I read the other argument, I can, I mean, in my mind, hopefully at least somewhat have a, have a somewhat informed opinion. Like I could see why you go this way versus that way. And I'm going to land here and that's going to shape my, my preaching. Um, I also use uh, Ken Bailey's commentaries, Paul, oh, yeah. Mediterranean eyes, Jesus through Mediterranean eyes. And, um, I love, I love his stuff. Um, yeah. And so I use uh, Lagos and as well and do that word study, um, just get in the Greek and the Hebrew and which is usually just actually really helpful. And just, I nerd out on that a lot. Um, <laughs> I also think it's just great to listen to people that actually preach and how do you preach? And so in the, uh, in the car, I've got podcasts and so it's pretty eclectic, pretty broad. So I'll listen to Andy Stanley, <clears throat> a good amount. I listen to Tim Keller. I listen to, uh, John Tyson at Trinity Grace in New York City. Uh, I listen to 
yeah, uh, who else? Like Dave Lomas at Reality, San Francisco, and that kind of network of churches. Because I think those are somewhat similar to the Madison context. It's a little different, but there's some overlap there sometimes, just kind of a post-Christian context. Um, and yeah, so I'll listen to John MacArthur, John Piper, um, Mark Dever. Uh, those guys are just strong. You know, I don't always check in with everything, but I just love the boldness, the passion, just the supremacy of God over everything. And then, so there's kind of that, there's kind of the more missional, uh, justice oriented teachers, preachers. And so I'll, I'll glean from those guys and, uh, N.T. Wright. Um, so there's a guy at, uh, he's an artist. He's at, uh, Holy Trinity church in London. Um, which I think is like the Alpha Church that started Alpha. And it's a guy named Charlie McKay, Charlie Mackay. Hmm. Anyway, he's an artist, so he's not a teacher, but he is just, I love him. And he's just brash and bold and just irrelevant, just like, I don't know, he's just so different. And I just stumbled upon him because I love British churches. And I just saw he has this crazy hair. And I was like, I'm going to listen to this guy. And he gave a message. And I just fell in love with it. So I listened to him because he's just so different from a regular, which you might think of as a teaching pastor. Yeah. And I just love people that that teach that aren't necessarily teaching pastors or preaching pastors, but have a gift and they bring a unique experience. And that just shapes um, me so much. So I listen pretty broadly because I think that's really helpful and formative. So yeah. yeah, there you go. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and any particular books that have shaped you as a preacher um, or your process? Yeah, probably um, and so many, so many books, uh, a lot. I, I read actually, I've just started in the last year, probably reading a lot of uh, fiction oh, yeah. and I find that that has actually helped my teaching a lot. Um, and just in terms of sentence structure and just phrasing, just it's just better. You're just saying more beautiful things, I think, because fiction's in your mind versus just nonfiction and just kind of more theological, which is great. But to have them together, I just felt like my preaching has gone to another level in terms of just thinking of story and thinking of, you know, climax and resolution and conflict and seeing that in different novels. And short stories, and so I read a lot of that actually, um, both what for some, fun. What are some What are some standouts for you, fiction wise? Um, I just finished reading um, a book called uh, "The Girl on the Train." So yeah. this is like recent, not necessarily the best book ever, but it actually was really good. So "The Girl on the Train." Um, I read a book called uh, "The Narrow Road in the Deep North," um, which is really good. It's a recent book. Uh, let's see. I love, um, I mean, To Kill a Mockingbird. It's actually one of my favorites. Yeah. So I love, I, I, uh, I grew up in Alabama, so I've always loved um, just that, just that book. Um, let's see. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm reading more fiction recently and probably more recent, more recent fiction. Um, and then also just kind of, I read, more like narrative nonfiction, you know, I think that's what the genre is called, you know, where it's, it comes across like it's fiction, but it's actually a historical maybe event, yeah. um, on 
you know, like the assassination of Lincoln or something, but just written like it's fiction, but it's actually history. And so I love those. Um, so I, I read in that vein um, and then just books. I mean, Keller's recent book on preaching is great. Um, sure. Anything by N.T. Wright, just in terms of his writing, is just – I love its phrasing. I'm a big C.S. Lewis guy, and so I read – Lewis is probably in my sermons like everyone, whether I quote him or not. He's there. Um, so he's there a lot. Um yeah, Richard Hayes, his writing is great. Philip Yancey. Um, let's see, Richard Foster. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's pretty um, – I'm just looking actually at my bookshelf right uh, right now, which is pretty um, pretty exciting. So, hmm. yeah, David Helm's book, Expeditional Preaching, is pretty good. From It's, a, I think, a Crossway series of small books. His book, Expeditional Preaching, is great. Actually, John MacArthur, I know there'll probably be people in your audience who are like, oh, no, he didn't just say John MacArthur. <laughs> His, everyone calm down, <clears throat> breathe, breathe. His stuff on preaching, though, in terms of the craft of it, I don't always agree with his conclusions. But his, on the craft of it, he's really strong, you know, hmm. and I think you do a disservice not to at least consider him. Um, he just, he has some great videos on expositional preaching. Which is just, and I'm not like a hardcore expositional, you know, one verse for 38 years, but I think people who teach could do well to do more of that <laughs> than more of huge chunks, you know. And so I listen, I listen to him, um, and I also like when I can push back and say nope, 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 and I think that just makes you better. Um, and so that's that's been helpful for. Uh, um, you know, for me, actually, uh, I don't know how you say his last name. Maybe it's Zod, Brian Zod. Do you know him? Zond, um, yeah. Zond. So have you had him on the podcast? Yeah. Has he been on? Okay. I need to listen to that one. I'm working my way back. So his book, A Farewell to Mars, and um, I think Beauty Will Save the World. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going on as usual as a teaching pastor. So <laughs> that is sufficient. Um, as uh, And Brian Loritz. Uh, Brian Loritz is also a great African-American pastor teacher he is the real deal wow bringing the heat bringing the heat all right all right well there you are <laughs> if uh if somebody wants to keep up with what's going on with you do you As have i'm sure they will do you have the tweets or the <laughs> do you have a website you know, or the church Twitter, website Twitter, any of that yeah you know we're, we're trying to get our church website going we haven't cracked that yet no we have a i'm just kidding we have a <laughs> we have a um, the church website is doorcreekchurch.org, and you can find that, and you can search under, I think, uh, messages, and then if you want to listen to any of them, you can search by my name if you want to listen to me and just really either be encouraged or be disturbed, whichever one, depending on how you react to my teaching, then you can listen to that. We um, are doing a series called Simplify Right Now. I'm doing Colossians in June, and then we're doing the Apostles' Creed to finish out the summer. And so I'm on Twitter at R.D. McClanagan, R-D-M-C-C-L-E-N-A-G-A-N. Um, and so you can follow me there, and that's probably the best way I try and retweet and favorite. A lot of preaching stuff, actually, and a lot of your stuff, of course, John. Right. I'm always yeah, thinking, yeah. Thank you. what sermon, <laughs> sermon Smith, what W-W-S-D, what would Sermon Smith do? That's right. just how I live, John. It's just who I am. Thanks so, so much. I'm not going to apologize for that. 
So, yeah, that would be uh, how you can connect with me. And shoot me an email, rmclanagan at dorkreechurch.org. I just love to learn. If you want to send me anything, just if anybody's listening and it's like, here's a resource I have, then please send it to me. I love to learn. love to learn from other people as well. So be happy to do that. Well, Artie, thanks so much. This has been a fun one. Yeah, John, it's been it's been great. I uh, love the podcast. I really do. And uh, thanks for what you're doing, just helping other guys and guys and gals just learn more about how to teach and preach well to our people. What a delightful guy to talk to. Thanks so much, Artie. I, I, I really enjoyed that one. <laughs> there it is. I enjoyed it. I enjoy them all. What can I say? Uh, I'm a joyful guy, I guess. Uh, one final note, you can find any of the books, any of the resources mentioned by Artie and all of our previous guests on the website at sermonsmith.com. You can find a, a growing list of all the books, all the gear, all of those things that people talk about within the podcast there. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, twitter.com, sermonsmith, or facebook.com. You can just do a search for Sermon Smith there. Thanks so much for listening.